Hello and welcome to the Clever Pub podcast. We are your co-hosts, Christine and Melanie. Please join us each week as we talk about practical dog training and problem-solving solutions to help you enjoy every minute with your dog. We believe that every human-canine relationship deserves the most humane dog training methods based on the latest scientific research. No matter where you live, we are here to inspire you. All right, let's talk about dogs. Welcome guys to our new episode. This time we're gonna talk about the teenager puppies. <laughs> it's actually kind of fun. Like we both had our dogs going through it and it's um it's an amazing, kind of funny and kind of exhausting <laughs> time period. Yeah, it really is, and I think a lot of people just aren't expecting it. So yes. dogs are when we're talking about adolescent or teenage puppies, adolescent dogs, we're talking about dogs from the age of like six months where they're not baby puppies anymore up to like maybe even like two years old two years even longer for some dogs I think but I think there's a lot of behaviors and things that happen during that time because they're not really adult dogs yet even though they look like it and they're not really puppies either and they do all this crazy stuff and lots of things happen the hormones are changing yes the emotions are just like (laughs) <laughs> going crazy yeah they're really heightened their responses are a lot more dramatic than they yes. will be when they get older and lots of weird overreactions yeah <laughs> and and it's also a time when yeah it, like you we were saying with overreactions it's a time when behavior issues will start to surface and I think it's really surprising for some people because um, they're like, I just raised this puppy and they were perfect. And that seems like almost, like they seem like a different dog as a puppy and then a teenager. And then when they grow into their adult self, it's like then they are really who they are. I think. Yeah. Them. I mean, during those phase, they're kind of trying to find out who they are. So they kind of rethinking some of the things that they might like as a puppy or as a young dog. But then decide not to like it anymore. Like a dog park could be ending up going on the list that they uh-huh. don't like anymore. Yeah. Like with six months, it was amazing, just going crazy over there. And then they maybe had one or two um, bad reactions from dogs with maybe 18 months, you know, and they got, <laughs> and they have so much energy that they overwhelmed another dog and got a correction from it. And then they're just over a dog park. They That's, don't want to get in there anymore. It's really, really common for things to start going south for adolescent dogs at the dog park. It's really common. And I think because their responses are more intense, their puppies usually, um, they're trying to make themselves small and make themselves, you know, like the don't hurt me. But adolescent dogs are getting to that phase where they might put their foot down a little bit or they might come on too strong. A lot of them, they don't have a way to regulate their feelings. And so they might (laughs) play too hard. They don't know how to take breaks very well sometimes and and the play can just escalate and escalate until it gets to a point where both dogs are like too much and instead of being having the you know the inner resources to to get themselves out of it it turns into a a scuffle or an argument yeah that's something that i saw a lot in the daycare you know calming themselves down is not an option for this time time of their age like from six months to 18 months if they are big players they don't calm down in a daycare. It's just like, not unless, happening. Unless 
somebody worked on it with them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, if you have a smaller group, yeah. 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 I mean, it's something that's trainable. It's something you can teach your dogs how to do those skills. But I think a lot of people don't realize that you can do that. And so they just feel like the dogs will figure it out on their own. And that does happen. There's actually, we're not saying this happens to all dogs. Lots of dogs go through this phase and they're very sociable and they have an easy time of it. But other dogs have a really rough time. And yeah, I mean, the other way around, I had a few very shy puppies came in into the daycare and I was like, yeah, you shouldn't bring them here. So it was like shutting down. They don't want to be here. And she was asking me, okay, can I bring them back at a certain age? I was like, yeah, you could try in the teenager phase, right? Yeah. So getting a little bit more out of them, out of their shell, you know, getting a little bit more interested in the feelings and getting more into the emotions, you know, like getting into actually into the situation instead of avoiding situations. Those puppies came back with seven, eight months and they were happy. You know, they actually started to like the daycare because they feel much more stronger, mm -hmm. you know, much more up for right. the energy in this group. More confident. Much more confident. Yeah. So that was very helpful. So it could also be in the other way. Definitely. That they're going, yeah, much more curious and they're very curious. Um, I think it's just an sorry. expectation. Another thing that tends to happen is uh, when they're puppies, you know, in the same way, like human development is a little bit similar. Like kids are yes. like all about the people. Like puppies are just like, they want to be wherever you are doing whatever you want to do. Like they're all about you. Teenagers aren't. Teenagers all of a sudden they realize, oh, there's a world out there that I can participate in. And then all of a sudden they're not going to come when, when you call them or they're going to jump all over you, even though you worked on it a whole bunch and they were doing great. Other oh, excited again, or they forgot that they were house trained, you know, for, and that starts happening again. There could be any sort of training things. They can regress. Things can resurface. Things that you thought you had trained really well suddenly aren't working at all anymore. That's, That's a it. thing that I had with my dog, especially outside. So when I got her, she was like a wild child, you know, like going on the end of the leash and doing zoomies around me. Never so, so hard to calm her down on walks that I was like so proud of her. Like from four months to seven months, I had those three amazing months. I was like, oh, it looks so good. We're getting there. You know, it will be, we will have an amazing adult dog. <laughs> but that's a teenager face. <laughs> and I was just invisible, like extremely invisible. So I was going to a park and she was like into, into it, right? You know, like all the ducks, the smells, the other dogs, the people. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No attention at all. <laughs> I could do whatever I wanted. I had no attention from that puppy. <laughs> she was just like, you're the absolute most boring thing here. <laughs> and treats, she is so food motivated. Did not work. Do you, do you think she was just like really overstimulated by yeah. the environment? Yeah. So that's like something that I recognized two yeah. years later yeah. that I might have just gotten home <laughs> in that moment instead of trying to get through. <laughs> but I wanted to get through this situation. So I basically just stopped moving and waited, which took like 25 minutes. You know, 25 minutes for me being in the middle of my dog running around me, going to the max of the leash, not working with me, not reacting to me. And I was just like smiling, waiting it out. And it was very stressful. But like, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. As I did back then. But that's what I did. I was trying to wait it out. She did actually calm down. So after five minutes, she was sitting down because she thought that what I wanted her to do is sitting to get 
forward <laughs> and then I get a very annoying eye contact <laughs> like she put her ears back and then she looked up her head and I get moon eye like she looked extremely stressed out and annoyed by it and then I was like oh look at that I can actually eye contact and then I was running with her to the place where she actually wanted to go while we had this whole drama yeah and I was like oh Jesus like I will not do I mean, that again. That was, like, very exhausting for me, for her. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up, because that's another thing that I see at the dog park all the time, is that people are trying to get their young dogs to do things that they can't do. They In this cannot. Moment, yeah. <laughs> they go into the little part, like, right when you take the leash off and you're in that little holding area right before oh, yeah. you open the gate. People always want their dogs to sit there. They can't do it. They cannot. It's really unfair to ask your young dog to sit in that context. And the same with coming back. A lot of those dogs are having the time of their life. And you want them to come back so you can put the leash on and take them home and make everything boring. Of course they don't want to. They want to stop coming when you call them. Like these things are completely fixable. Like can a dog learn to sit before you open the gate at the dog park? Definitely. Like they can learn that eventually, but trying to teach them that in that context and those moments where you haven't set them up for success, it's just, yeah, it's just not going to happen. But that's the thing, right? You don't see it coming. No. So that's basically yeah. just out of nowhere. You've been, you've been there a few times before. And it in the same, Yes, exactly. In the same situation and your dog is like amazingly working with you. You get the eye contact, the calmness. They're sitting down because they know you open the door because they're sitting down. They're not, you're not going to open it without them sitting down. But then in this space... They don't care about it anymore. They're trying to do something their way, and they don't care what you think about it. And I think it might be, like, hormonal, too. I mean, I really do think there's a huge physiological component to it. Probably even more different from not neutered and not spayed. Uh -huh. Yeah, absolutely. And dogs. Yeah. I feel like especially with males, if they smell a female. Mm -hmm. Or if smell other males. That's another thing I've witnessed a lot at the dog park, is that dogs intact dogs, both male and female, elicit different um, responses from all the dogs there. So if you have, you know, an eight month old, 10 month old adolescent male dog at the dog park, <laughs> he might be great player and everything, but other dogs might have a hard time with him and you might end up with, you know, some sort of escalation or, you know, incident because the other dogs, because his, his the way he smells and the way he moves and the way he looks, and then you're kind of setting your teenager up for potentially um, behavior issues because they're sparking these other weird behaviors in the other dogs. Well, not weird, but, you know, behaviors that you weren't expecting. But I see, um, yeah, I see adolescent dogs really struggling there sometimes to be able to... They're still trying to figure out what their maxes you know what their maximum is what they can do and go they have a hard time to slow themselves down in yeah. those situations so if they don't know a dog reacts is different in certain way if they get pushed by another dog they will learn that in a very unpleasant way in a dog yeah. day, in a dog daycare or in a dog park you know they will push another dog until the point where they get punched mm -hmm. to the floor yeah and, and dogs are of those ages, they still have these kind of sensitive periods happening up until Which is like tricky a, because you don't know exactly when your dog will be You won't know. In it. Yeah, you won't know when that's happening. But we do know that they still happen during those times. And so I think 
I don't know. I, I think the best thing that you can do is that when you see something start to be different, you should change what you're doing a little bit to make it better. That's like as dog trainers, we're changing up the environment. That's pretty much what we always do. Because yeah. I think you should expect, I think people have an idea, like I'm going to have a puppy for six months and then I'm going to have an adult dog after that. <laughs> and it's going to act like the adult dog that it will be for the rest of its life. And it really doesn't work like that. They're different when they're puppies and adolescents. They're different when they're young dogs than older dogs. Like their whole life, they're changing and you have to modify what you're doing. To and it's comment. so nice as soon as you're through <laughs> this phase, they're actually going back to how they looked like before. Yeah. A that's lot like, of... that's very, at least if they don't have a very bad experience, right? In some kind of mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, they definitely are able to sort of, maybe not like they were before, but they're, they're able to like remember things that you taught them when they were mm-hmm. younger and they're able to, um, modulate themselves a little bit like especially yeah. if you get more attention again yeah. because you're getting more interested a lot more attention yeah my dog couldn't have cared less about me for her entire teenage <laughs> yeah. existence I only had one of my dogs like from puppyhood through teenager but yeah she was very uninterested in me mm-hmm. during that time very independent very independent <laughs> and her I had a completely ro- broken recall like somehow I ruined her recall and she wouldn't come to me when I called her it was completely ruined it's so hard if you call them back and you don't even get the look yeah you know i mean if they don't run to you okay right yeah you can kind of work with the spectrum but if you don't even react to the recall yeah. it's like oh and it was even so worse than that she didn't want me to approach her either so it was like even worse so it you would like, need to catch her then well i just didn't set her up to be loose like that <laughs> basically i had to complete i think what happened and it was a dog park scenario what happened was she would get chased at the dog park she would get in over her head and when I was trying to help her out I would end up picking her up which she I didn't realize at the time how much she did not like that (laughs) so basically what happened is that when she had gotten close to me I had accidentally punished the behavior of her coming close to me by picking her up which she didn't want me to do so I mean you can take that (laughs) to the bank because you shouldn't pick your dog up if they don't want you to and you shouldn't take your crazy puppy to the dog park if it's going to get them in over their head on a regular yeah, and don't wait this period out in a very stressful scenario yeah I, I, what I would do now if I would get into the same situation I would get home I was there with a friend and she was ahead of me so the whole reason why I got into the situation in the park was she saw her friend ahead of me she just wanted to go there mm-hmm. I might have just either run with her just go there instead yeah. of waiting for her to calm down or get eye contact with me but I wanted to have behavior until I do the running you know because I was so afraid that she would just be a naughty mm-hmm. leash walker you know I was actually so afraid of this scenario that my dog would just do whatever outside that I was not considering that in this moment she was not really learning that much her emotional state was just so off that there was no learning experience except of being getting more and more stressed you know I mean I think that's like a huge evolution that like I mean Melanie and I are both like getting there got there kind of in the same time which is that (laughs) when the beginning you're sort of thinking like how can I get my dog to do behaviors it's just fun I teach them things and they do it and later you're starting to realize it's really a conversation you are it's a relationship it's a relationship and you're communicating with your dog and your dog is communicating back with you and if you really want to teach your dog your dog to 
things and communicate with them, you have to set it up so that it can be successful. If you're putting your dog in a place where everybody's failing, that's 100% on you because you are in charge of where you are and what's going on. You made all of that happen. And if the dog can't cope with it, it's your job to create a better situation where the dog can be successful. Yeah, when I learned about those um, this principle, right, the behavior science behind it, one thing is, don't let your dog learn something that you don't want them to learn. Right. You know, that's what I was so focused on. I was like, okay, if I let her run now, she learns, she can do whatever she wants to, and I'll just come run with her to the other dog. That was in my mind, was my mindset was like, okay, I cannot do that because I don't want to have this teaching moment of like, okay, she can't get away with this behavior. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the emotional state. Of the whole situation and that's a big thing in the teenager phase because the emotions it's just like it's so wavy gigantic and it's changing so quickly yeah so um <laughs> you're getting really much in tune with your dog and um i was reading this blog post back then after i had this this particular <laughs> situation and she was basically basically just saying um loosen extremely loosen the criteria you know my criteria was not pulling and if she pulls she had to stop and look at me mm -hmm. i had to get a check-in from her that was my criteria back then and i was like okay if i go into a situation like a dog park and a park like a city park where i have to keep her on leash you just loosen the criteria you know in this moment you don't have to focus yeah. on your dog not pulling you know, and that was <laughs> that helped a lot to get through the phase a little bit more relaxed. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean that is the thing when you run up against that wall. There's always a way to fix it. So, like with the broken recall with Esri, the first thing I did was I stopped calling her. I didn't call her for at least two months. Like I just completely took that off the menu. I am not going to call you because I don't think you're going to come. So I'm not going to ask you to try to do it. So that was <laughs> thing number one. Just stop doing something that's not working. Number two, you put a management in place. So anytime she was running around loose, she was dragging a really long leash and that way like when it was time to go I could just slowly walk up to her and you know feed her whatever and we could leave it wasn't me you don't need her. a recall basically. I don't need a recall because I could I could walk up to her along the leash which is amazing management yeah and so basically what started to happen was like I wasn't I wasn't letting her practice doing something that she couldn't do or, mm -hmm. or me getting, you know, and I had something in place that where she was safe. And then the next thing that I started to do is I started to build her confidence, like getting the behavior. So she would start to, she, I would let her play at the dog park as long as she wanted to. Um, and then when I would get a check-in, when we first started doing this, it took a really long time, but eventually she'd be like, <laughs> hey, you, here I am. And then she'd get a bunch of treats from me, like a whole jackpot of treats, lots of chicken. And then after she got the treats, she got to go back and play more, do whatever she wanted to. So my initial goal was to is to get those check-ins. Like when she's offering attention to me in those scenarios, I'm going to pay out really big. And not only that, I'm going to let her go back and do what she was doing before so that you're not taking it away from her and so that was kind of the foundation and now I'm happy to say it only took me like a few months of starting to work on it 
and I got it back. And then it's something that we've continued. I work on recall with both my dogs for their whole lives. Like we, we want, like, I want it. It's never like 100%, but I want it to be. It's never done. It's, I want it to be as bulletproof as it can possibly be because it's a safety thing, you know? And and I like to take my dogs off leash in the wild and I, I need to be able to call them back to me. And so we're preferably even get the check-ins. Yeah. Yeah. And she, they're amazing now. In fact, the other day, I don't know, I, I didn't call them, but this amount, of, I realized that she was doing it like in a pattern. It was like an amount of time had gone by to where I would usually call her back. And I saw her just running through the field at me, like ears flapping, mouth open, just full speed. Like, I don't even know if I, but I was, she was like, I'm coming back. Like it was the cutest. I wish I had it on a video because it was so cute. So it's a really strong behavior at this point. So I guess that's another thing. A lot of people will surrender dogs during this time because they get really difficult, but I feel like people should really hang in there and find a trainer. Get through. Get through it. Um, find someone who can help you work on that stuff because most of the things are there. There are ways out there um, to make most things better, and then it's going to naturally get a little bit better anyway. And so it's something yeah. you can get. So basically, when I loosened the criteria, had more patience. So I was basically going out with her, and leash walking was the biggest issue because she had all these emotions outside. Yeah. <laughs> Um, patience was like very important for me to just stay there, see what's happening in front of me and kind of deal with it <laughs> see what works, what doesn't and humor you know, if she got like really extremely silly I would just go silly with her yeah. <laughs> so I had those moments um, when I came home especially after like 6-7 hours outside of the home, she had like so much energy she couldn't wait to get out and she, as soon as she was out she would pull me especially through the parks you know we had like um, five parks near um, Berlin near the apartment that we lived and she just dragged me there so what I did was in those in this scenario this one mile I was just running more or less with her to the park let her off these throw some balls get all these energy out and then I had my relaxing walk with her. So I was basically teaching her, okay, we're going to leash means I have a few behaviors that I would like to see. Check-ins, loose leash, you know, but after I get the teenager <laughs> out of there, you know, and it makes a huge difference. You know, she had so much fun with me. She realized we can have lots of fun on the leash, not off, only off leash, mm-hmm. which was very helpful. And she didn't learn that she can pull me, which was very Interesting, right? Now I have this four-year-old dog, and oh, she's actually almost she's almost she's almost five. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not pulling me at all anymore. Even if she has so much built-up energy, she just knows it's not something that she does because it's uncomfortable for her anyway. <laughs> you know, it's uncomfortable for them, and she learned it's much more comfortable to have a loose leash and just do all the things with me, and it's. It's It's just like amazing difference. It's crazy how different our dogs are actually about the same age. Ezri is also just about to turn five. And sometimes I think back on that teenager phase. And even though it was kind of challenging, she was so beautiful. She was like a shiny little seal and she was so fast and just so like insanely 
energetic and athletic and everything. Like she was kind of a wonder, like just watching her run, watching her do stuff and like just how getting the zoomies. Yeah, just how enthusiastic. In some ways I miss it a little bit because I mean she still has spurts of that, but when she was young like that, she was kind of a it was I was always a little bit in awe of just like what a crazy wild animal she was. And it's crazy <laughs> how much and as you say how yeah. in this phase it's feels like a never-ending source of energy yeah if you if you give them the sign you're up for something they're up for it <laughs> which, <laughs> right away which reminds me we're going to talk about exercise and teenage dogs because um this is like a real pitfall I, th- I run into this a lot people don't realize that their bodies are not done completely grown yeah they're not done baking yet and you don't want to like you don't want to ruin you don't want to ruin the souffle. <laughs> it's no. like, um, I mean, didn't you, was it you that showed me that x-ray of what puppy, puppy joints look like? I feel like I was looking at one. Basically, they're not even really attached yet. Their joints um, before the growth plates are set. I know when you see young dogs and they look like puppies look like they're made out of rubber and even really young dogs, like when they're running, they're just really loose. Like yeah. just, and I feel like, I mean, that is a big indicator that they're not so a lot of things like jumping a lot of people want to run with their dogs and it can seem like a really good idea to run with especially the ad- big breeds with an adolescent dog um but yeah the big breeds are more prone to injury from this like long-term injury and it may not be an injury that you see until they get older and the damage was done while they were an adolescent but then it affects them as they get older which is it's also something that's very hard for pet parents, right? Yeah. So for us, it's very hard because we get this amazing, crazy, energetic puppy. And one thing to get their energy out is running, jumping well, over, yeah. throwing balls, throwing a frisbee. You know, all those things that you'd see in dog. Every time you look about, look around and see like it's a dream dog life, you see a dog throwing a ball or carrying mm-hmm. a ball. You know, so we're not focus on that. We're not saying you shouldn't do those things. Like, obviously, our dogs ran a lot, but I wouldn't have taken her. I wouldn't have had her run with me on pavement, like at my speed. I feel like that's something that could be potentially really detrimental. Um, and I, you know, if she jumped over things that were out in the wild, you know, whatever it happened. But I'm not going to set her up to do jumping off of like you know high impact stuff on purpose. It's, it's just not. It's actually kind of interesting. I think I changed my mind to balls. I always loved playing throwing balls with my dog because I mean she kind of has some lab in her, so retrieve was always fun <laughs> for her. But she has elbow dysplasia right now, so I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not because of the ball play, but the ball play was definitely not helpful either to get her less painful during this time. So what happened when she was younger, I would throw the ball for five, six times. And at some point, she would just lie down and she would just take a break, which was amazing for clicker training dogs. They actually, they're learning to stop, basically. It's it's very amazing. They're showing you when they are done, <laughs> if you don't push them through. Um, but on the same day when we played the ball, she was limping. And at some point, we just recognized the scenario where we play with her. She looks a little bit old, you know, like kind of stiff. Now, after she had her operation, I do all the exercises with her. I actually feel like that was already the first signs of pain 
when she was younger. I just didn't see them because I didn't recognize them as, I mean, I kind of recognized them as pain, but I thought about muscle pain, you know, because of the exercise that I did with her and less of joint pain <laughs> from the elbow dysplasia. So, um, yeah, I'm, I would assume that I would get a puppy. I would not throw frisbees and I would not throw balls. At I would least, try to get it out without those two exercises. Yeah, at least not for distance. Like, we're not saying, like, that you couldn't, like, do, like, roll the ball a little bit. You know that dogs... Or let them catch them. I right. do that with Cassie. It's just more, like, a lot of people... And I, my other dogs were ball crazy, and I did this with them a lot. Even when they were young, I would take them to the park and, with a check-it, and I would just throw the ball, and they would run and chase the ball. So I'm talking about that, like long like long distance repetitive you know over and over and over so I'm not saying you shouldn't play with toys like balls and frisbees and stuff with your puppy just don't do an adult dog version of it you know where they're doing like a lot of repetitive a lot of distance a lot of activity and you don't want those young dogs to build a ton of muscle yet either you want them to be active but you don't want them putting a lot of muscle on a body that's not done growing yeah yeah and the thing that um is different so like um if you have a frisbee for example and you throw the frisbee they catch it if they catch it in the air and on the ground it looks much more fluent the body looks way way better instead of cr like brushing into the ground yeah. so that's what i had was my dog in the beginning i would just throw the ball she was too clumsy to catch it <laughs> or to get it in the air or didn't sometimes even didn't even try but then the ball was like right in front of her, just rolling, and then she was just body slamming the floor. And that's what was actually making the whole elbow worse. Because if you see that in slow motion, they're actually going with their front paws, frontal, into the ground, they're stopping, the whole pressure, the whole weight is on the waist and their elbows. And sometimes shoulder, that's also why you get lots of shoulder injuries from ball throwing. And um, so if people want to play it and um, then they kind of have to just find the flow with their dog while they catch it in the air, which we did in the, in the last times when we played with her, we just basically let her run um, 20 feet and then we threw it into her face and then she would just catch it yeah. because she's already waiting to catch it. And that was much, much better. I've done that with dogs before, too, who were really ball crazy. I would just toss it to them to catch because I felt like it was easier on their bodies. Much, the much other easier. thing, I do a lot of ball throwing with my bigger dog, Pepper, but we always do it in the water. So she's swimming. And that's also yeah, completely different. <laughs> and I feel like that's better because, and again, like she's building a lot of muscle from doing all that swimming. And I would, I would, I would caution you not to like try to put a lot of muscle on a, I mean, some dogs are naturally muscly anyway. Some breeds are. Some breeds are really muscly. Yeah. But I would really, like, try not to get a lot of really intense muscle buildup, you know, unless unless that's just happening naturally. But you don't want to – some of the athletes, they get, like, really solid. Um, so even from swimming, she's got, like – she's really – she's, like, a big muscle right now. She's crazy. There's so many things you can do. Like if you if you go on a hike and let them run off leash, they're still running. Yeah. But it's, it looks much more natural. Mm -hmm. You know, their whole movements are just much more. They're just better looking, basically. If you, they're able to move through the environment the way that feels normal for them, because the way that humans move through through the environment is not the same. 
That's how dogs do it. I mean, you know this if you've ever had a dog on a leash. They're like behind you and then they're off on the side and they're sniffing and they're darting around and then they chase a squirrel and they lay down in the grass and rolled for a while. Like they just, they don't like... Just think- yeah, then they eat a stick for a bit, and then, you know, they're not move, they're not doing things the same way we do, and I feel like if you let them do what comes naturally to them, it's definitely... If you have the options. If you have that option. Yeah. So, like, um, where I grew up, it's extremely flat, so um, they still can run and everything, but it's not climbing and jumping, which is kind of good, but you also want to kind of get the... Um, memory of the muscles doing those kinds of movements so you don't have injury in case you go somewhere where they jump over stuff for the first time you won't want them to get injured Um, but swimming is amazing Uh, fitness programs are amazing it always seems like a rehabilitation but it's not you know I would do that with a puppy because you get the physical exercise you know you get the um, muscle builder, but in a very amazing slow way. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to elaborate on canine fitness a little? Because we're we are both crazy for this right yes. now. Like we are just absolutely in love with doing this with our. And dogs. I wish I would have known it when she was a puppy. Yeah, I like serious. Like I knew about canine fitness. You know, I knew about different exercises. And I knew about massages, and I was almost making jokes about it, like, okay, I'm going to pet my dog, ha, 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 right? <laughs> so now, with actually an injured dog, it gives you a complete different perspective. You see how hard it is for that body. You see, especially balancing. So if they go on to, so basically, canine fitness means you're getting their body position on targets, um, on elevated or slow targets, or, um, like low targets, or you get them on moving objects which uh we actually use them the same thing as we use right for our bodies you have steppers which is like a target for front paws or back paws you have the balance boards right where you go on for your joint movements and muscle movements which is also happening for us yeah it's a lot of the same equipment for the same purpose i feel like it's largely doing something that we never think about doing with our dogs which is number one building flexibility and two building core strength so building strength, because balance um, takes core strength. And so your dog can be really athletic, really muscly, and not be flexible and not have good core strength. So working on those fitness exercises will make their whole body much healthier, and it will last into old age. Like dogs age so much more gracefully. Which I think it's a big thing right now in competition, yeah. right? So all the competition dogs... They get exercises, like physical rehabilitation exercises right after, because especially agility tends to be very harsh on their bodies. So they tend to have massages afterwards or some kind of relaxing and positioning with balancing. And the balancing is also amazing for fluid in their joints. You know, you get a full range of motion if you have a straight leg and you have a... um, yeah like an extreme bend yeah. it's not like just bend how they naturally do it but like an extreme bending motion of the of the joints and it's, it's extremely helpful for them so i think in especially in agility it's a big thing right now because they get farther so they basically get the dog longer so right now before this whole fitness was there you have maybe from two to five years, you know, you would train them and from two to five years, you would go into competition with them and then they would retire because they are too old, too crunchy. Their body would hurt, easier injured, 
very similar to us, right? At a certain age, it's harder for us to move to do certain exercises. But with the fitness programs, they actually get the dogs until seven or eight in the competition. Just because their body holds it much, much better because it's getting so much more protective from all the harsh movements. Yeah. So I would 100%, if I get a puppy, I would 100% implement um, dog fitness. Yeah. And you can look it up. There's not a lot out there right now, but if you look up dog fitness or canine fitness, you might find something. I know Fenzy Dog Sport Academy does classes on this. (laughs) We both did one with Lori Stevens, which was amazing. We loved it so much. It's just $60. And I wish it would be $60. It's amazing. I just wish it would catch on a little bit more because it's really fun to train. It makes incredibly fun training sessions. Dogs Dogs love love it. it. (laughs) They love it. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I I have, I have, so I have like a training center built up, you know, my garage is my, my training center was Cassie and I have a pop head in the middle of the room and I never pick it up because I just built around, around it. But the first thing Cass does all the time is going straight to the target, putting her front paws on it and looks at me with her tail up and like, okay. We're going to do two-paw target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's so into it. <laughs> it's, like, so, so much fun to see this enthusiastic learning experience yeah. with her. It's so great. And my dogs are the same way. They're like, what if I put my paws on this? What if I jump in here? And they, they, they go over to one of the odd things and they just look at you like, you want it? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the reason why you got into dog parkour, right? Yeah. So it's like the same thing, just being outside with natural happening equipment. Basically, yeah. you find a tree, you put the paws on the tree. Or you find something that you can jump over, you send them jumping over. It's like... It's so amazing. So as soon as you're having all those behaviors in your training center setting and you take them outside and you see something that they could actually put up two paws on and you ask them to do it. The first time I asked Cass, it was amazing. Her reaction, she just stared at me, walked slowly towards the potential target. Like it was a big stone and then stone on the floor. And she would just slow motion put one paw, two paws (laughs) and look at me like, really? We're doing this outside now. <laughs> and now it's amazing. Now I can just walk over some stuff and just like, hey, Cass, do you want to do that? And she will just walk up, put up two paws. I'm like, woo, yeah, two paw target. Yeah. <laughs> Dog parkour is so fun. It's it addictively fun. Yeah. And it makes leash walk so much more interesting. Yeah. Basically. But yeah, I would 100% do that for a teenager. Definitely. Like 100%. Like they're getting some physical energy out without hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. It was like a win-win. Yeah. (laughs) Fitness training, um, some parkour, and also um, nose games. Nose games are amazing. And and just um, like have a little grace with your dog. Realize that, you know. Have humor. Yeah, have some humor. (laughs) They're very silly in this age. Yeah. They're so, so cute, though, too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Most of them are very extremely silly. <laughs> They're coming up with some some ideas that you can just... There is no other way than just laughing yeah. about it. Yeah. You cannot do anything else. <laughs> All right. All right. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please share and comment. All of the good stuff. See you next time. Bye.